Keeping It With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure, is brought to you by TKM Incorporated. This company located in Moss, Tennessee, specializes in erosion control, hydro-seeding, hydro-mulch, silt fence. They do minor excavation work, and they also provide traffic control and construction signs. Their mission is keeping people safe. Their passion is wishing that all men could be saved. TKM stands for The King's Men. If you'd like to contact The King's Men, you can contact them at 931-243-3958, 931-243-3958, or you may email them at tkminc2001 at twlakes.net. That is tkminc2001 at twlakes.net. The King's Men, in partnership with Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. SJL General Contractor is a full construction company that primarily focuses on civil construction and asphalt sales in the Huntsville and Fayetteville regions. Services they provide include, but are not limited to, road construction, asphalt material, underground utilities, site work, and demolition. They employ heavy equipment operators, concrete finishers, pipe layers, and CDL dump truck drivers. If you would like for this company to work for you on your project, or if you'd like to work for them as an employee of this family-owned business, you can contact them at 931-433-4660. That is 931-433-4660. Or three W's and a dot, sjnl.com. That's www.sjnl.com. SJNL General Contractor is a sponsor of Keeping Up With Jones. Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. If you had to cross the Great Divide, the area of the Great Divide in Clear Creek, Colorado, about 60 miles west of Denver, gets an average snowfall of about 26 feet a year. And if you had to cross the Great Divide in wintertime, you probably could not do it. However, you can go from eastern to western Colorado now via the Eisenhower Tunnel. It's, it's on I-70. And, and it's about 60 miles west of Denver. The westbound lane goes 1.693 miles under the mountain. The eastbound lane goes 1.697 miles under the mountain. The westbound lane was began construction in 1968 and was finished in 1973. The eastbound lane was constructed between 75 and 79. And it's, a, it's an engineering marvel. And, and thousands, if not millions of cars have gone through it since it was constructed. And it's the tunnel that connects eastern and western Colorado. Well, think about going through this tunnel and, and being in, in a, a group, you know, carpooling to work. And, and several men, I think there were six guys in the van. And there was either an avalanche or there was an accident and traffic is blocked. And if you're in you know, eastbound lane, you can't just turn around and go west. And if you're in the westbound lane, there's not like a little, you know, turnaround thing. Those two tunnels are separated by, by quite a distance of, of just pure gut rock through the mountain. So you don't just bounce from one tunnel to the other like you can, you know, find a place to drive through on the interstate from eastbound and westbound lane. And these guys have been locked in this dark tunnel. There's, it's dimly lit, but these guys have been locked in this tunnel for hours, and finally one guy broke and killed everybody else in the van. It was a tragedy. It was, it was terrible. 
But the, the gentleman that, that killed his fellow companions in the van was released. He was never prosecuted because of reasons of insanity. The judge ruled that he was suffering from carpool tunnel syndrome. And yes, that is a terrible dad joke, and I will show myself out. But I could sympathize with carpool tunnel syndrome. But you see, I was carpooling. Well, I wasn't really carpooling. I was, I was on a family trip. And by family, I mean I was driving somewhere in my little truck. I was the driver, and the passenger was my wife and her mother. And they were helping me drive. Now, I did not request their assistance. I did not need a co-pilot. I was not asking to, to enact Hot Babe Driving Companion, the, the thing that existed before the GPS. That is your wife sitting in, in the passenger seat telling you where to turn. But the, these ladies were helping me drive. They were telling me I was not going fast enough. Now, typically, you know, you think, hey, you're going too fast. No, no, no. They didn't like the pace that I drive. I, I drive at a relaxed pace, and they were telling me I was too close to the car in front of me. They were telling me I was too close to the center line. They were telling me I was too close to the shoulder, and I kept getting these reassurances that they were uncomfortable with my driving, and they could help me out with their, I guess you'd call it verbal encouragement. I try to be a diplomat. I try to be nice. And so... I tried to explain to them, you do realize that, that because of the job that I do, I, I do get to travel and speak. I speak, thankfully, and people are very benevolent to me to invite me to go do things. I speak at about 45 to 47 events a year. And if you just take my little Tacoma, the, the, the original tactical Toyota has 431,000 miles on it. Now, if you can just make, and this is being benevolent with the math. If I've driven 60 miles an hour the entire time that I've driven this truck, that equals a mile a minute. Now, we know that I've never been able to drive consistently at 60 miles an hour. You go through these little towns in Tennessee, you go through these little towns in Mississippi, you get on the Natchez Trace Parkway, and the speed limit is ridiculously slow on the Natchez Trace Parkway. In fact, the speed limit is so low on the Natchez Trace Parkway that there are so many deer killed. Now, how can you drive that slow and kill that many deer? The deer are committing suicide because the Natchez Trace Parkway is so boring, they wander out into traffic just because they can't bear their existence. Be that as it may, if you are benevolent and say, yes, every time you've driven a mile in that truck, you drove 60 miles an hour, then when you drive 60 miles an hour, you're driving a mile a minute. So with just that loose math, I've driven this truck 431,000 minutes. If you divide that by 60, then you get that I have driven my truck 7,183 hours. And then if you figure a 24-hour day, I've driven the Tactical Toyota 299 days. Ladies, I've driven a vehicle. I've sat in the pilot seat of a truck 200 in 99 days, I probably don't need your help helping me to drive, and I may have an episode of carpool tunnel syndrome and hurt everybody in this vehicle. Well, I drove this little truck for a long, long time, and and my daughter, and it, it's really, really funny how that as your kids are little, it's, hey, wear your helmet. 
Hey, don't go too fast. Hey, wear a helmet when you drive your bike. Hey, wear a helmet when you ride your four-wheeler. Hey, don't speed in your car. Keep both hands on the wheel, 10 and 2. Hey, don't talk on your cell phone when you're driving the car. Hey, you can you now have your driver's license, but you can only go from home to school, and you, and you can't have passengers in the car. And then something happens, and your children graduate school, and they go to college, and it's, Dad, I don't think you should climb that. Dad, I don't think you should get on that ladder. Dad, why, why don't you call somebody to help you with that? And your children suddenly start trying to trying to take care of you. And my daughter had this serious conversation with me. She's like, Dad, I think you need a new truck. You travel so much and you go to so many places. You really, you, you, you should probably get a new truck. And I looked her square in the eye and say, Honey, this truck is reliable and this truck is paid for. And there's going to be two things that, that have to happen before I get a new truck. 500,000 miles or a grandbaby. And then I grinned maniacally and laughed at her. And lo and behold, I have three grandbabies. So it's time to get a new truck. I had to pay the piper. We had Gunner. And then a year and 16 days later, we had Rowan. And then about a year and a half later, we get Mr. Gage. And so, yeah, I've got grandchildren. And she says they can't drive in the tactical Toyota. Uh, so I had to get a new truck. So I called the place indicator where I bought the original tactical Toyota and said, hey, I bought a truck from you guys several years ago. And I'm going to need another one. And I need a black, short bed, four-door Tacoma. I'm, I don't, I don't want a Tundra. I don't care what you have on the lot. I don't want a gray one. I don't want a green one. And I don't want you to call me about a dark blue one until you have a black, short bed, four-door Tacoma. Don't call me. Well, I get up the next morning and went hunting, and I'm sitting in a tree, and my phone wiggles in my pocket, and I pull it out. And this young man said, hey, Mr. Jones, we have your truck. What truck? The, the black four-door short bed Tacoma. We found one in Birmingham. We had it transferred to a Sarah Toyota Indicator, and you can come pick it up. So I climbed out of the tree and went to go get my truck. I walk in, deal with the sales manager, take a little test drive, talk with the guy, and he goes in, he comes out, he goes in, he comes out. You know, the whole Russian roulette game you play with, with the finance guy, and, and got a pretty good deal on the truck, and I get my keys, and I start to go outside, and this young man says, now, sir, I'm going to follow you outside, and I'm going to give you an orientation on your truck. <laughs> I looked at this kid, and I said, I, I really appreciate that, but I've been driving a Tacoma longer than you've been alive, and so let me just take my truck home. He goes, sir, I appreciate the fact that you're very familiar with Toyota products, but there are things on your new truck that weren't invented the last time you bought a truck. I said, well, okay, come show me around. And so he comes out to the truck and shows me how to do all the things and all the bells and whistles that are on it. And so finally I get turned loose and I'm allowed to go home. And I'm driving from from Decatur, Alabama to Huntsville, Alabama. And I get out on the interstate. I'm going, you know, out on I-65 over the Tennessee River Bridge. And these bells keep going off in my truck. And this little light keeps flashing at me. And I drive a few more miles and, and the bell goes off and the light's flashing. And then I drive a little bit and the bell goes off and the light flash. And I, I don't know what it is. So I pull over on the shoulder and I get out the manual and I start looking for things. And and it's it's the lane assist. <laughs> It's this little thing, this little sensor in my truck that somehow can read some component of the paint in the center line or the paint on the shoulder. And when it senses it, it tells you, hey, you're weaving in the lane. And 
And, and son of a gun, the girls are right. I, I do kind of weave in my truck when I'm driving it. And irregardless of the 299 days I've spent in a truck, I've, been, I've spent 299 days apparently weaving in my truck. So I, I looked further in the manual and learned how to turn the silly thing off because the last thing I needed was for my wife and my mother-in-law to be telling me that I'm not driving straight even when they're not in the car. And so I just turn the silly thing off and I drive without my lane assist. Several years ago, I was at a uh, police academy graduation, and I've been honored to attend many of those, some of those just as a spectator, and some of those uh, I've been asked to perform things, uh, roles as a chaplain, and, and do the invocation or the benediction. I've even been asked sometimes to uh, bless people's badges, and while I was at this police academy graduation, the commencement speaker was a four-star general. And I remember several things that this guy said in, in his commitment speech. And one of the things that he talked about was warning the young officers the difference between self-absorbed and being self-aware. Self-absorbed is, is, is when you're so locked into your own self that your epicenter is yourself and, and, and you don't take in any advice and you don't share the perspective of other people. You can't see things the way they see it. You can't see things from their perspective and you're always right and almost never wrong. And people who are self-absorbed are very hard to, to correct. People who are self-absorbed are very hard to help them make improvements. People who are self-absorbed can't admit they're wrong. And people who are self-aware can sometimes look at themselves and say, you know what, you were right about what you said. Now, I, I didn't want to hear from my wife that, that I was weaving in the truck. <laughs> and, and I didn't want to hear from her mom, hey, you're not driving straight, you're too close to the shoulder. But when I got in my new truck, and it had this computer device that would sense the road, I had to admit they were right. I had to admit that, that I was weaving a little bit in, in my pickup truck. I had to admit that this thing that we'd argued about, and, and it was a playful argument, but this thing that we had argued about, I was wrong and they were right, and, and I was going to have to change some things about the way I drive. And, and, and incidentally, just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's not true. Just because you don't respect the person and, and I'm not saying I don't respect my mother-in-law and I don't respect my wife. I, I, I love my wife unimaginably. I cannot describe how much I love that little blue-eyed bundle of energy. And, and I love my mother-in-law. Connie has been gracious to me. And, and, and even before I was dating Jackie, she was a person of, of benevolence and kindness when I was a college student visiting at the church where, where her family attended. And, but even if you don't respect somebody, you people who are not self-absorbed and people who are self-aware recognize truth when they hear it. And it's not a prerequisite that you like the person or respect the person or even agree with the person on other things for you to recognize truth from them when they tell you. And people who are self-absorbed make all kinds of excuses. Well, you did this, or you don't do that, or I disagree with this, or your worldview is that. And it really doesn't matter what their other perspectives are. If they share something with you that is truthful, then people who are self-aware acknowledge that and make adjustments. 
People who are self-aware acknowledge that and they make changes. People who are self-aware acknowledge that and they build skills. People who are self-absorbed turn off the warning signals. People who are self-absorbed say, you know, I'm going to ignore that and I'm going to make sure this button doesn't beep again, this light doesn't flash again, this bell doesn't ring again, and I'm going to ignore those things. Well, turning off the lane assist alarm, just because it doesn't beep, doesn't mean you're actually driving straight. Using the tool of shortwave radio, World Christian Broadcasting literally covers the world every day with the gospel. They use two large curtain antennas. One is located in Anchor Point, Alaska, and the other in Madagascar. They send out messages that are recorded at their international home in Franklin, Tennessee. They make available 40 hours of broadcast every day. The broadcasts are made in English, Chinese, Russian, Spanish, Portuguese, Korean, English for Africa, and Arabic. They would love for your group to visit them. You can bring your ladies group, your youth group, or your men's group. Just give them a call at 615-371-8707, 615-371-8707, or you can go to three W's and a dot, worldchristian.org, find the Donate Here button, and make a financial contribution to support this work that literally covers the world every day with the gospel. World Christian Broadcasting, in cooperation with Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones Podcast Adventure. Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones Podcast Adventure is sponsored by us. What? We sponsor ourselves? Is that even legal? Check us out on Amazon. You can have access to the titles of Pedagogue, the youth ministry book by Lonnie Jones. Cognitive Spiritual Development, a Christ-centered approach to spiritual self-esteem. Grappling with Life, Controlling Your Inside Space, a small essay using the principles of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to talk about psychological and emotional self-defense. If I Were a Mouse, a children's book written and illustrated by Lonnie Jones. And then The Selfish Reel, a very short story about a decision. Also, you can check out our YouTube channel to see archived lessons and presentations from across the country, some videos with uh, rope tricks and knots. Don't forget to visit the uh, Facebook page, 550 Guys, to learn about the little rope men that we make and in, that we invented and that we make. And then be sure to click like, subscribe, and share. This is Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. Mm-hmm.